Amen. Yeah. What a great song, right? That's what we're going to... It's beautiful, right? It's a beautiful view. You're looking at that and singing about the simple gospel and knowing the one who created the world is the center of that gospel, right? It's just... It's great. It's a great view. And what a great way to start the morning, you know, with our sisters and worshiping and getting to be in the word, good food and all of that stuff. Just positioning ourselves, right? Remember, that's what we're doing, ladies. We are positioning ourselves under the flow of God's love. And this morning, we want to just jump right back into Ephesians 1 that tells us about that. So I encourage you, make sure your Bibles are open. You know, get yourself, women, we got to get ourselves all situated. I'm just looking at you all doing that. Looking through your papers. There is a note page in there if you would like to use that. And I encourage you to grab your prayer card. There were some of these left, so I'm hoping that doesn't mean that somebody went away without one. Okay, if you need one, they're right here. Um, we want to start out our morning. We want to start out our morning praying this over ourselves, over ourselves as a group and over ourselves individually. So if you will do that with me. I pray that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith and that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that I may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That's our heart's cry this weekend, right? If it isn't yet, it's going to be as we go over this and over this again and again. It's for all the saints. Do you see that here? With all the saints. It's not just about us individually. It's about all the saints. And that is God's will, that all people, all would come to know and experience his love and live in his fullness. I don't know if you noticed in verses 1 through 8, as we went through them last night, and as you then copied them down, but every one of the things that was said was in the plural. He blessed us. He chose us. He adopted us. Sometimes it said we have. I mean, it, it was all plural. So God pours that out on all, right? He is love. God is love. So everything that he's pouring out, it's for us. And we saw this last night as we worked our way through. In fact, let's even just say those seven expressions again. He blessed us. He chose us. He pursued us. He adopted us. He forgave us. He redeemed us. And he lavished us. See, we know those things and we read those things, but this is what I have found in my own story, and I found it after doing many years of ministry and talking to people. Most of us really struggle to see that for ourselves. We can believe it as a part of the big group, like all the saints. Jesus loves all the world, and I'm a part of that. I just kind of get thrown into the mix of that. But then when it gets to be just me and God, and if I was the only one in the room and God was the only one present, would I know that God loves me? And sometimes we don't even stop long enough to really think about that because we're just going through the busy and we're always with people, which community is great. But when it really comes down to it, it's do I know that God loves me? It is for all, and yet God deals with me in the all but as an individual too. And today, in what we're going to look at, these verses, we're going to see both. We're going to see how God is doing this for all, but it really is about each one of us individually as well. Not just collectively us and we, but individually you and me, right? 
Okay, so one of my earliest memories as a kid was going to church. I've been going to church all my life. I mean, I think I went like the, if I was born on a Wednesday, I was there on Sunday, right? And we were there all day long. We were there on Sunday nights. I mean, I went Wednesday nights. Um, I went to school in the church building. I mean, I church, 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 right? And, but one of my earliest memories was going to church as a little girl. I was probably about three or four. I was a preschooler. And I would like stand up on the pew because I wanted to see. I couldn't see. Now this was the 60s when women had big old hair. <laughs> you know, there have been seasons of that. 80s too, and I'm one of those girls. But, um, and I used to have a lot of hair. It's trans as you get older, I think. But anyway, so I'm like trying to see over the hats that the ladies wore and everything. But you know, I just climb up on my chunky legs and my patent leather shoes and lace socks that we all used to wear back then to church. And I would try to look around because I wasn't content like the other preschool kids. We were all in there, you know, for the for the singing time, the singing the hymns, and then we would get dismissed to go to a class. But most of the kids would sit and color or pick their nose or whatever, but I wanted to see. And so I would, you know, just be standing up. I can remember doing that. And in our church, too, I don't think there were air, uh, there was air conditioning and they had those fans, you know, and all the ladies and I'd stand there with my fan, you know, trying to see because I, I wanted to see what was going on. You know, most people like a view. They want to be able to see. Nobody likes to not be able to see. I don't know if any of you girls are HGTV fans. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV. In fact, I don't even really know how to turn on the TV at our house, but I do have, I'm serious, I, but I do have an HGTV app on my phone. And so every day at lunch, um, I, if I'm at home, I will watch um, Beachfront Bargain Hunt while I eat my lunch. I put it on this little thing on my table, and actually my husband will sit there with me, and we dream about wouldn't it be great to live on the shore one day, and we know it would have to be a bargain, so we, we watch that, you know. But I've learned a lot watching that show, and one of the things I found is that everybody is all about the view. I mean, they'll walk into this amazing house, and the first, look, look at that view. Say. They just go past all the other stuff. And I even watched a lot of you coming up the stairs yesterday, and you didn't notice all this. You're like, look at that, you know, because the view is so amazing. I especially love it on the show when they say, I never dreamed that we could have a view like that. Now, I've watched a lot of that show. I've told you that. All right, I confess. But um, the idea here is that if the ocean waves and the sunrise and all of that is available, who's going to pick living on a cul-de-sac where you look out the window and see your neighbor's driveway? I mean, I, that's how I live, so no, no you know, um, judgment on that at all. But, I mean, if I had the opportunity, I would take that. Wouldn't you? I mean, we'd all take the view. Well, here's the thing. A view makes all the difference spiritually, too. And we should be very intentional and very affectionate and very driven towards the view. Now, you might not have thought of it like that before, but Ephesians 1 really talks to us about the view. And you copied some verses this morning about that. And so we're going to just start in on the second half of verse 8. We'll call that verse 8b. I want to read the first part. It says, In all wisdom and insight he made known to us, the mystery of his will. You know what? God knows how hard it would be for us to see that he loves us. That it just won't make sense to us. That we'll look at the brokenness of this world. We'll look at the brokenness of ourselves. We'll see a holy God and we'll go, there's just, there's just no way. So it says in all wisdom and insight, he made it known to us. 
the mystery of his will. He wants us to see. Now I want to read this whole section that we're going to do this morning, then we're going to come back and look at some things. So in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens, things upon the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Now, I want to say right from the very beginning, it's kind of hard to get a view of that <laughs> because you read that through and it can sound pretty confusing. It's got a lot of theological heavy wording in it and, and you can be just like, what? <laughs> you know what? Maybe even when you were copying this morning, maybe you're going, what is this about? <laughs> I'm, not really, I'm not really sure. And you know what we have a tendency to do when we hit places like that? We just go right past them because we want to find something that really makes us feel good in the moment or we need to pick me up that day or we just need God to help us feel warm and fuzzy, right? And so we move quick past that stuff. That's why even last night I told you, you know, I didn't understand for years that part in Genesis when God spoke to Eve. So I just went past it and I didn't take the time to really look. I know these verses seem heavy and hard to see and it's like what and and they were for me too when I came back to them this time and I was like God I mean I had to sit in this for weeks really for God to just break open and meditate on some things but remember how I told you about how when I was a little girl I'd climb up on the pew to see things that were way beyond my understanding I think that's what God wants us to do this morning even if this seems confusing and maybe you're going no it's not confusing at all I totally get it you can come up here and teach. That would be great. But, but the idea here is, let's rise up, ladies, okay? Let's do what it takes this morning to take in the view because the view is very important, and I know we'll be glad that we did. So, first of all, let's see how he has given us a full view of the gospel. So, read again. It says, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. See, God wants us to see. He's the one that broke open the view before us. The view of the mystery. The word mystery here, a lot of times we think of mystery and we think, well, let me see if I can figure that out, right? Even today, they have those escape rooms. Have any of you done those things? I, that like sounds like horrible entertainment to me. I was invited to go to one last year. I'm like, no, I'm not, that sounds awful. But because I don't like mysteries. Just tell me, right? Just tell me. But we have a tendency in our world to think, oh, it's a mystery, I can figure it out, right? I can figure it out. That's not what this word means. This means something that by human intellect, you cannot figure out. It is impossible for us to see this. A human would be incapable of it, and God knew that, and so he made it known. See, not only did he reach back over, like we talked last night, and like, turn that big handle, that supply of his love back on, but he also made sure that we could see it that we could see the supply of this love and how he's been working all throughout history to pour out that love on us so that we can really receive the love that every one of our hearts individually are craving. But on our own, we cannot see it. And if we can't see it, you know what? You can't receive it. 
You can't receive those things that God has poured out if you don't have a view of it. A lot of times there's things that are blocking our view. I would say one of the biggest things that blocks our view of being able to see what we saw last night, that breath of love being poured out on us, is shame. You know, shame is not just something you've done. It's you begin to attach your identity to, you know, wrong choices or, um, you know, your heritage or your history. And you begin to see yourself as somebody totally, you know, not, not even worthy of love, not even um, capable of knowing love. And so it's like this big wall in front of the view of, of God's love that he wants you to see is, is shame. <laughs> Another thing that blocks our view a lot of times is just challenges in this life. How many times have you heard somebody say, if God really loved me, he would not allow that to be happening in my life. And so that's a block. It's like I can't see the love of God. It's blocking the view. Busyness blocks our view a lot of times. We're so busy all the time, we just don't even stop to, to look. You know, it's that old stop and, stop and smell the roses or stop and see, you know, the things. It's like you just rush past all these things that God has for you. And, and really that becomes like a wall in front of us. Confusion can block the view. Lies. Right? It's like Satan just builds up this wall with one lie after another and we just take him at face value because everybody else around us thinks that way or believes that way and we don't realize it's blocking a view of a mystery that God has made known to us. Disappointment. That's been a big blocker in my life. You know, where I'm just disappointed with life, God. I'm disappointed with what you've allowed. I don't get it. And so it blocks the view. It, it's like this wall in front of me. So many things. Our feelings. Our neglect of studying the gospel to even take the time to look. Struggles, bitterness, hurt from other people. I mean, we could just go on and on of all kinds of things that block our view. We hear, we read that God loves us. We see he blessed us, he chose us, he adopted us, he pursued all those things. But it just seems like a mystery to us when we're seeing all this other stuff in front of us and we can't see beyond it to see the view that God's given us. You know how we're praying and that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend? Well, verse 9 is the answer to that prayer. God made it known. You can comprehend. There really is a view. He's explained it. He's explained how he chose us and why he chose us and adopted us and pursued us. He explains, he shows it to us, the full length of that. See, God accomplished all of those things that he blessed us and chose us. And he accomplished all of that through the gospel. The gospel is our window to see that. That's the mystery of his will being made known. Now, when I say gospel, what I mean, the definition of the gospel is the good news. That's what gospel means. So when you say the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're saying the good news of Jesus Christ. And we mentioned even last night, over and over again, and you'll see this as you're copying. You've probably already written this phrase several times. It says, in him, right? In him, in Christ, in the beloved. It says it over and over again. And so you know what? That's where we see, that's where we see the gospel. It's in him. All of these things are poured out on us in him. But if we don't understand the gospel, if we're not taking a look at the gospel every single day, it's very difficult to be filled up with the breath of God's love because we can't see it. We can't comprehend it. But we have to get inside this gospel in him and literally just take a look around at the view. Just like people could, I saw some of you this morning just standing there, just taking in the view. That's what we have to do with the gospel. We're in him. All of this is made available to us in Christ. So it's in his gospel. I have come to be so confident in this. If we do not have a full view of the gospel, 
a continual view of the gospel, a consistent view of the gospel, we will never be able to really experience the love of God because that's the way that he pours it out on us supernaturally. We won't even be able to understand how he could love us or what he's doing. We certainly won't be able to experience it. But verse 9 tells us that should never be the case for anybody because God has what? He has made known the mystery of his will. But here's the thing. So many believers, and me being one of them for a long time, we, we never take in the gospel. Or we very rarely take in the gospel. We're content most of the time to sit on the pew like a preschooler, get about this much understanding of the gospel, look at it every now and then when we show up for church, and that's if they're even talking about the gospel yeah. at church that day, right? <laughs> and we never rise up to see the full view of the gospel that God has made known to us. I want to tell you a little bit about my own personal story with that, and maybe you can relate to some of this, or I want you to be thinking about your own story too. But for so many years, my understanding of the gospel of Jesus was like this big, like minimal at best. If I had been asked to tell you what the gospel was, this is, this is what I would have said. Jesus died on the cross for me to save me from my sins so that I can go to heaven. Now, is that true? Yes, right? That is the gospel of Jesus Christ in a preschool nutshell view, all right? However, that continued to be my understanding well into my elementary years, my teen years, and many, many, many of my adult years. I was 29 years old when I finally rose up and took in the view of the gospel, the mystery that God had revealed to me long before that. The view had been there all along. I'd just never taken the time, the energy, the, the value in it to look at it. Why not? Well, there was a lot of things that just blocked my view. I'll tell you about a few of them. One of them was pride. I thought I knew. And so when people would start talking about the gospel, in my head, sometimes with my mouth, I'd say, I know that, I know that. Heard that a thousand times. I've been in church all my life. I know that. I know that. In fact, I would even get annoyed sometimes because I would think, we have talked about this over and over again. Can you please tell me something different, you know? That's horrible. I realized that. I was seeing your eyes go, really? You thought that? But that's really where I was. Pride was a huge block to me seeing the gospel. Or when they did talk about the gospel and maybe even talked about it in deeper ways beyond my preschool understanding, I would think a lot of times, that's really complicated. I don't want to study that and like figure it out and really think on it. That's just for the pastors, right? That's what I would do. I was just unwilling. I studied a lot of other things. I was an honor student, you know? I mean, I learned. If I wanted to learn about something, if I was delighted in it, I'd, I'd you know, we didn't have internet back then, but I mean, we would go to the library and get a book. Imagine that, you know? But, um, you know, I, I wasn't willing unwillingness on my part was really what was a block of the gospel in my life. And here's the other one that I, I there's a lot of them, but I'll tell you about this one too, distractions. I was so distracted by everything else that I wanted to see in this life. You know, I, I made great effort and time to make sure that my eyes took in a bunch of other stuff, but I didn't make time for the gospel at all. Now, here's the thing too though. At this time in my life, I was so empty, so empty. I was so desperate to know that the, the love of God, I didn't even know that that's what I was desperate for, but that's what I was desperate for. I was dealing with issues of bitterness and rejection, 
deep depression I was walking through, sin strongholds, lots of shame. I didn't know it was the love of God that I needed. This is what I thought we needed. I thought we needed more money. I thought we needed more friends. I thought we needed to live in this other neighborhood. I thought my husband needed to treat me better and talk to me better. And that if we could just get this kind of status in this situation or whatever. I mean, I had a hundred ideas. And, you know, we're so fickle as women. We wake up with all different, this is what I need today, right? And we start moving toward it. And we do it for a season. Oh, I guess that wasn't really what I needed. And we move towards something else. I thought I needed all these other things. You know what I needed? I needed the breath of God's love poured out on me in my life through Jesus. How good it would have been for me to get a view that God blessed me, that God chose me, that he adopted me, that he pursued me, that he redeemed me, that he forgave me, that he had lavished on me. But until I began to rise up and take in a view of the gospel, I couldn't experience those things. I couldn't really know them. Now, I get glimpses of those things every now and then because I was in church, right? And so other people maybe were seeing, and as they described, then I would see. Just like you sat there at the table and somebody had to tell you how to pour that little little dripple of, you know, from the little cup into the bucket, but you really couldn't see. I was reliant on what everybody else was seeing. So it just depended on if I happened to be in the right place at the right time with somebody telling me the right things. And I'd get these little drips and these little trickles, or I knew enough of the gospel that if I was in a really supercharged faith environment and there was great stuff going on, I'd be going, wow, that was a mountaintop experience. You know, I know God loves me, but take two days and I'm empty as could be and I'm striving and straining after all the other stuff again because I was relying on everybody else's view. You know, this year I've been praying, God, give me a supernatural revelation of your love. I think this is really the first time in my life where I have sought that myself. There have been other times where God just pursued me with it, his grace, right? And that all happened really for me when I was 29, when he broke open the first time for me, the gospel. And, and that is so sobering to me that I could have had all of that experience at church, standing up on the pew when I was this big, trying to see. And it took all those years, all those years of Christian school and Bible college and being a pastor's wife. And I, I just never, I never looked. And then God pursued me with his grace. And I, and I can remember it so clearly. I had just started, these women had just started really walking alongside me. And, and I had just started getting in the word. I started going to this thing called community Bible study. Some of you were in it. I didn't go because I wanted to study the word. I had a three-year-old and I was stuck at home all the time and I wanted to be around some people and so I, I went you know I just thought that would be a good thing to do and so my heart was beginning because I was in the word now every day because I wasn't going to show up at Bible study and not have my stuff done you know I'm too important to please people I'm a rule follower so I would do that and then these women invited me to go to this conference and it was actually when Joyce Meyer was just yeah. getting started so we were in like this rundown high school like 200 people maybe in Birmingham Alabama and I went with these women, and we were sitting it all day long. She talked about the gospel. But I wasn't sitting there going, I know that. I know that. I was going, really? Like looking at these things that she was saying that I had never seen before. And my heart started burning on the inside of me. And I remember at the end of that um, session, we were having a worship time, and they started singing a song that I had sung all my life, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. And I am telling you, the Holy Spirit broke open the gospel. And I got a picture of the gospel for the first time. And, and I can tell you, I have really not stopped looking at it for over 20 years now. 
But God did that. It was a, it's not that I asked him for that. I didn't even know. He just came and he pursued me in that way. And that was the beginning of some really amazing things. And a lot of people are like, but yeah, it's just the story of Jesus. I mean, how many times can you read through the gospels and you know, you're going to learn it enough, but that's not the truth. If you think of it like this, I have been to the beach probably in my life at least a thousand times. But if you say beach, I'm like, I'm there, <laughs> I'll go. And I'll sit there and look at those same waves just rolling in and I never tire of it. One of the things I love at the beach is the sunrise. The very first year that we did Fall Bible Getaway, in my study for that, we were talking about fixing your eyes on Jesus. And in my study for that, I came across in the book of Luke, Zechariah, as he's prophesying um, about John the Baptist and then, of course, Christ, he calls Jesus the sunrise from on high. And I had never seen that name of Jesus. And I began to see, in fact, God did an incredible thing with the sunrise that weekend story I could share with you if you'd like to hear it. It's really still so special to me. But that weekend, I realized how different the sunrise is every single day. And if Jesus is the true light of the world, he is the sunrise from on high, and we can stand there and go to great lengths, right? To people that never will get up in the morning will get up to go see a sunrise, right? To take in the view. If I can do that and I can see the same sun rise every day and yet it displays itself so differently and God speaks through that, then how much more does he speak through the view of the gospel? I can look at it over and over and over again. What does the Bible say? The mercies of God are new every morning, right? And so the same view of the gospel, or maybe it's a view I haven't even seen before, God will use that in a supernatural way to speak right what I need, to take in the view of all that he's given us. It's great to know the basic truth. It is the preschool starting point. Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins so I can go to heaven. But God has so much more. You read this in verse 10. Look what it says. He says, with a view, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. These verses, I know they can seem confusing, especially this one, but I want to break it down to show you the gift that's really right in here because it's, it's really not confusing when you break it apart. The first few words say, with a view. See, through Christ, God made it known, right? He opened up the view so we could see the mystery. And then when we start looking at the view he's given us, here's what we get to see, the administration, the administration of his will. And you might go, what? That doesn't make sense to me. And it didn't to me either until the Holy Spirit showed me. What's an administration? An administration is details, right? It's all the details. So it's like God is saying, hey, I want to make known to you. I'm throwing open the doors of heaven so that you can walk into the offices. We've been working before the world was even created. And I want to show you all the details of what have happened so that this gospel of Christ, this good news of Jesus can be revealed to you. You can get in there. You can look through every file. You can look through every decision. You can look through every thought, all the details, the administration of this will of my heart toward you. And he says it like this, with a view to an administration that was suitable to the fullness of times. Now that phrase, fullness of times, is really used in other places in scripture. Um, and that's where, again, being in Bible study, the more you know the language of God, it, the more it makes sense, right? It's like going to Mexico. If I know this much Spanish, I'll get to the bathroom and have something to eat, but I'm not going to have a deep conversation with you. If I don't know the Word of God in a whole way, it's going to be very hard for me to hear from God. Another reason why it's so good to do Bible study. But 
The fullness of times is used in other parts in scripture to describe that exact moment when God sent Jesus to the earth to do his thing here. He's been doing this stuff since before the foundation of the world, but he picked 33 years for him to do it on the earth. And that's the fullness of times. So what God is saying is, come into the offices of heaven. Let me show you all the details all this time that brought us right to this moment that we look at as the gospel when Jesus was on the earth. The gospel really stretches the length of time, all time. That direction, backwards, and forever in the future. It's an everlasting gospel. But that fullness of time points to that moment and he says with a view to an administration that was suitable to the fullness of time that is the summing up of all things in christ things in the heavens things upon the earth see when you begin to get a full view of the gospel you begin to get heavenly understanding of what really life is all about it's really not about the house the neighborhood the school the degree the whatever it's about jesus it's all summed up in him and you begin to see, this stuff is such a good gift of God, but it was never designed to fill me up. The things in the heavens, the things in the earth, they're all caught up in Jesus. And that life in Christ is always full, no matter what. It's always full, no matter what's happening in the day to day. See, the gospel really reveals a lot of things. It reveals why God made us. It reveals what we're here for. It reveals what his plan has been all along. It reveals our worth and our identity. It's all summed up in Christ. The gospel of Jesus really begins, like I said, before the foundation of the world because heaven, the administration of heaven was planning it before God ever created the world. He knew Adam and Eve were going to sin. He was planning that gospel. But it really begins where we can get a full view of it in the book of Genesis. And it's fascinating to study your Bible and see that. With every landscape, with every movement through the chapters, you begin to see that Jesus has been on a rescue mission for humanity all the days of the earth. Studying the Old Testament really gives you a view of God administrating details of the gospel, working out his plan to bring it to that moment, that fullness of time, when God's going to send his son. You might remember this, one of my favorite stories in um, what we call the gospels, and you know the the we gave that, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and yeah. John. And so that's what we tend to think. That's the gospel. The gospel stretches the length of all time. But one of my favorite accounts in the gospels is after Jesus resurrected, there's these two men, and they're walking to Emmaus. And Jesus comes up to them. And he, they don't recognize him. Like, they've got a full view, and they do not see him. And they're walking along the road, and Jesus starts talking to them, and they're all sad because they thought he was going to be the Messiah. They had heard that his body was missing, but they didn't know where he was, and they're just thinking, all our hopes are lost, like total loss. They're all sad, and Jesus, the Bible says, he starts walking with them, and it says, he explained the scriptures to them, starting with Moses. He explained himself in the scriptures to them. And later, after Jesus had left them, they looked at one another, and they said, we're not our hearts burning while he was walking with us on the road and telling us. He was opening up the view. He was revealing the mystery. And they, being good Jewish boys, who knew all this stuff, began to see Jesus was here, and, and that, and that, with Abraham, with David, and all these things. And they were like, our hearts are burning. We finally get it. 
Their eyes were opened. Jesus did that, though. It was a supernatural thing as the resurrected Christ showed up in their life and explained himself to them, explained the everlasting love, and then their hearts came alive. Their hearts were burning. They got filled up. See, if we really want to experience the breath of God's love, then we've got to take in his love over the length of time. God working it out where he would not give up on us, right? He had every reason to, but he doesn't. We start to see things like the sacrificial system and Jesus being the Lamb of God. We see the Passover and the prophecies and we see what it means to be justified and propitiation, redemption and sanctification and atonement and regeneration and victory through the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times what happens is believers hear that stuff and they go, oh, that's for the pastors to know all about. No, that is for the saints, all the saints to know about those things because we need full sight to know that God put eternity in our hearts. He created us that way. He created us with a spirit and a soul and a body and all of it is supposed to be filled up in him. What it means to walk into spirit that he has filled us up with and not in our flesh. Now I wanna stop for a moment and say, getting filled up with all this, taking in the view, it's not about gaining a bunch of knowledge at all. What does the Bible say? Knowledge puffs up, but what does love do? Love builds up, right? Filling us, filling us up. God's purpose in revealing the mystery, in opening up this view in front of us, is to open up our hearts so they can be filled up with his love so we can see how long he has loved us. See, when I look at the Garden of Eden and I take that in, I see my need for God. That's my story. When I take in the view of the Israelites, I see how God can persevere with people who are brats like me, right? Yeah, God's love endures. And that he is a covenant-keeping God. He's faithful. I see that. When I look at the Passover and I take in the view of that, I see how Jesus rescues from death. When, when I take in the view of history of God dealing with men, then I'm overwhelmed by his grace, just overwhelmed by it, because I've come to know that grace personally. When I take in the atonement of Jesus, I, I get it. Like, it, it comes alive in my heart how he could adopt me. When I take in the view of his sacrifice, I, I see forgiveness. And then the words of Romans 8.1, that there is no condemnation in Christ, really get broken open. I, I get that. It's not just words on a page. I feel that. When I take in the view that all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus, then I start living in this fullness of his life and I realize it's all summed up in him and instead of being so taken in with the view of the things he created I begin to get taken in with the view of the creator right and it's all different because I start seeing that life is summed up in Christ all my losses and all all my gains things here right now in this present things in the past as I look back and take in the view of what he's done and I look here and then I look that way and I see it's all summed up in Christ the length of time that God has just been pouring out this love God knew we would not be able to get it on our own in our humanity we cannot understand it it's a mystery we won't be able to see how could God love someone like me, even me, we say. But when we get a view of the gospel, we begin to see it's God's will that all people would continually live in this place of his fullness. He's worked very hard, very hard for the length, the history, the, the everlasting time to pour out his love. Now, so that's the view, the full view of the gospel. And God desires us to have it, but there's more. And there's two also statements in this passage, and I like to, 
you know, like just grab hold of some of these things to just help me to keep my mind around what's going on in here. So if you can think, we're going to look at two also statements because he says in verse 11, in him what? Also, right? In him also, he goes on to tell us some other things that we can get a view of. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. See, we also get a view of the inheritance that we have received, and God wants us to see that. Now, we hear the word inheritance. Maybe some of you have inherited, you know, a sum of money, a car, a house, because we think of an inheritance as something tangible that we take and we hold on to, and that now becomes ours. But this word, we've been given an inheritance, is more of a position. It's a place of being a beneficiary. We're a beneficiary that's continual. All the good that God has, he pours out on us. And we, we don't just get this amount and then we're done. It's we are positioned as an inheritor to receive his goodness. See, God not only wants you to see the view of the gospel, he wants you to see your position in the gospel. And that's that you are an inheritor. So he says, we have obtained an inheritance. We were predestined. In other words, God, in, in the administration of heaven, he was planning this, right? He predestined us according to his purpose. This was his plan. Who works all things after the counsel of his will. When God makes a plan, he works it out. And he's been doing this all this time. And what is the purpose of that? So that it says, verse 12, to the end, or for the purpose, that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Now that might sound a little bit self-serving on God's part. And you might be having a catch in your heart. Oh, okay. He's just pouring all this out on me because he wants me to praise him. I get it. I get it. It's really all about him. And yeah, it really is all about him. And if that was all that it was, God has every right to do that. And so we ought to just be okay with that. But you know, our God is so good and he's so loving that it is all about him. But this is really all about us. And, and our understanding of that, our view of that really comes from the word glory. I think so often the word glory gets thrown in there with praise, glory, worship, all that. And we just think of giving God glory like glory to God, glory to God, oh God, so God, glory to God, all of that. And, and it is a part of that, but really those things are worship and praise, right? When we're just exalting the name of God. Glory is very different. Glory is a true reflection of something. It's when the, the real nature, the real character, the true reflection of someone is put on display. So you think about the true nature and character of God. When we look at the gospel, what do we see? God's good. He's persevering. He's full of joy. He's full of life. He's full of peace. I mean, I'm not going to name them all. I couldn't, right? But he's so good. That is the nature of God. And so we've just read about how he's poured it all out on us, worked it out for all this time, put us as a beneficiary of it. So that means I am a position now as a beneficiary of all his goodness just pouring into me. So I get that. I get it all poured into me. You know what? My little life is not big enough to contain that kind of stuff. And so what begins to happen is that begins to fill up my life, the glory of God. And it begins to spill out. And you know what? I look at the glory of God then in my life and I cannot help it myself. I will have to praise God, right? I'll have to. The people around me would have to praise God because we're seeing the goodness of God. Things that just don't even make sense. We're taking them in. They're filling us up. It's all to the praise of his glory. We're an inheritor, but that's to the praise of his glory. We're the beneficiary, and then it turns into praise just organically and naturally because God is so good pouring that into us. 
Praise God, right, for administrating a gospel so kind, so persevering. It would position somebody like little old me or little old you or all of us, right, to be under the flow of that, that God would do that. How amazing to receive this inheritance. We don't have to live empty, ever. We have a position of inheritance. Our lives can be summed up in Jesus. On our own, left to ourselves, oh, empty, for sure, right? But when we're positioned, all our lack gets swallowed in his fullness. So that's the first also, right? You might even want to write in your notes, also, and then write that first one. We've got an inheritance. But there's another also, too, and this one's so good. Verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. And that's an also also, but that's more on what we do. Okay, we'll talk about that later, all right? You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Your, your second also that God wants you to get a view of is that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to talk about that in just a second, but let me mention this first. Up until this point in this passage, everything has been plural. We talked about that earlier. Remember the blessed us, chose us, all that, all plural. It's kind of interesting, even in my Bible, the way it works. So, you know, you got the columns here. So the last verse is talking you. The first verse, when you turn the corner and go up at the top, is when it changes to, I mean, the, the last verse is talking we or us, and then you turn the corner, and that's when it starts take, talking you. And that's where this happens in this passage. This is for all people. God does desire to pour it all out on us. But you know what? He seals it inside of every one of us one by one. He doesn't just pour out the Holy Spirit on all people. He pours out the Holy Spirit on Kelly, on Cynthia, on Sharon, on Kelly, on, on Jenna, on Becky. He just goes through and one by one, he, he pours the Holy Spirit into us. In him, as we listen to the message of truth, we hear the gospel, we get a view of the gospel, we choose to believe. I did that at eight years old, right? That I didn't take in the view for a long, long time. But at that moment, a deposit of God's spirit was put inside of me. And that's what happened to every one of us who believe in Jesus and you put your trust in him. And I am assuming this weekend that every one of us have done that. If, if, if you're sitting here this week and you're going, I don't know that I really have made that vow of devotion and belief in Christ, please reach out to one of us and we will help make sure that happens, right? Because he desires to put his spirit on the inside of you. When you become a believer in Jesus, you take your first spiritual breath. It's like that, 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 that resurrection of the spirit comes and Jesus says we're, we're born again. We're no longer dead in our sin. And so this is like with his spirit, the idea here is that God puts that mark on us forever, that we are sealed in him. That will never drain out, okay? His spirit, there are other things that you're going to be emptied out of, but not his spirit. His spirit is there forever. What a way that God shows us that he loves us. I'm moving in and I'm never leaving, right? I'm here to be with you forever. And it ensures that we will always have a view and his love will never stop because we're never gonna lose our position. Why did he put the Holy Spirit in us? To seal that inheritance, right? He, he wants to give us a view of that. He says it was given as a pledge of our inheritance, as a pledge of our inheritance. There's so much richness in the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. And, and I can tell you, I think I mentioned this last night, 
I, I didn't really know anything about the Holy Spirit. I had never gotten a view of him until even into my 30s. And, and even still now, I, just because I'm so behind the learning curve on that, I just feel, still feel like I'm learning so much and taking in the view of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit gives us a view. One of the reasons, there's so many reasons why the Holy Spirit is put inside of us. One, to seal us. But right here in verse 14, it makes it clear that he's given as a, to us to give us a view of how God's working things out. See, we can get a, a view of what God has done for the world, but God wants to give us a view of what he's done for us. This has turned the corner now. It's no longer just about the group. It's about you and me individually. And he wants to give us a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Who is God's own position, possession? I am. You are. Individually, we belong to the Lord. And so what the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons he's in your life is to constantly be giving you a view of how much God loves you. And many times he will do that through the gospel. He'll point it out. Look at how you love the world and you're a part of that. And he'll point you to the gospel. But a lot of times he'll point you to very specific things in your own life and help you to see, yeah, that was so broken, but look what I have done. He gives us a view when we give him time to do that. He'll look back in your life and point those things out. He'll look in the present and show you things. He'll look, point you to the future, things that look hopeless to you and show you. And a lot of times it's against a backdrop of the view you're seeing of the gospel because you know that God is faithful and he never changes. So if he did it then, well, he's going to do it again for me because I'm his child. I've been adopted into his family. He gives us a view. You know, even in the meantime, and, and, and this is something the Lord showed me a couple of years ago. Um, I think Nicole and I were walking and praying that morning. And I was just praying about a situation that was really hard in my life. And, and I said, in the meantime, Lord, and you know how we do. In the meantime, until that happens is what we mean. And, and the Holy Spirit just like quickened in my heart. Yeah, it's in the meantime, Sharon. The time in the middle where you can't see where you can't get a view of God working and it feels like he's not and it feels like all is lost and those times are mean, right? They're cruel, they're brutal to the heart and to the mind and the Holy Spirit wants to step into those moments and give you a view and show you, I am working. Come into the administration of heaven and let me show you some things about what's going on. Come and let me show you a view toward the future where you can have hope and you can have peace. The Holy Spirit does that. I don't know how people live without the Holy Spirit. Like, I'd be six feet under a long time ago, like jumping off the boat in the ocean somewhere. I, I just don't know because I have to have the view that the Holy Spirit breaks out in front of us. See, through the gospel, it's all through the gospel, inside of Christ. Because I would never be able to see any of that without knowing the gospel first. And then the Holy Spirit breaks this open. But in this view of the gospel, I can look all the way back the whole length of time before creation. And then my eyes can stop on the fall of man and through history and story after story and, and all these things that God has done. And then my eyes can land on 1965 in November when I was born. And then at eight years old, I can see on the timeline where God was working and, and God's showing me this redemption. He's been pursuit of me. He's been working on all my life and how in that moment that he sealed me with his spirit and that I became an inheritor of all these things that he has for me. And I can look at my 51 years of living and I can see the messes and successes, the highs and the lows, the things that are still not even worked out, but I can have a view. 
I can have a view of the redemption that he has. The Holy Spirit will point that out to me. He set me in a place as a beneficiary to have this kind of view. God has made known that to us. He's worked it out. That was his plan. And what a divine love, right? That God would do that. that and that he would make it so individual to make sure that every single one of us can see that we all have sight. The Bible tells us he's loved us with an everlasting love. And the gospel is the window that we have to look through to see that. So I want to go back to Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well as we kind of bring things more, um, more to a close. You know, we talked about her in our time last night. But remember, Jesus went out of his way, right, to meet her. And she was so in need of this living water. And Jesus pursued her, and he poured out his love to fill her up. But when Jesus told her first about the living water, she didn't understand, right? She was like, you don't even have a bucket. Where are you going to get that? Mm -hmm. Right? She was totally thinking in this realm, right? She couldn't see beyond. She couldn't see into the offices of heaven and all those things that were going on. It was all a mystery to her. They had this conversation. And then in John chapter 4, She's like, I know, I know, I know the Messiah's coming, I know this. You know, like she thought she knew everything. And then Jesus looked at her, and it was like he opened up the view. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it said, I am the Messiah. That's what he told her in verse 26. See, Jesus wanted to pour out on her, but she had to see who he was before she could receive anything that he had for her. There's only a little bit more of her story. We find that from that moment, everything changes. And we're going to look at her story a little bit more um, tomorrow night. We're just going to follow it along a little bit. But for now, this is what I want us to do, ladies. Think about our stories, okay? Think about our stories. And take some time to consider our view. We talked a little while ago about, you know, um, rising up to see the view or just being content to sit on the pew and just kind of be there and not really look. And I know a lot of times in my life when I read things, like even in this chapter that I had to study and seek God to understand, the, the things of God are so much bigger than I am. They're so much more lofty. And, and I don't feel like I can understand. So I've learned in my life that God does want me to be filled up. And he made this stuff known. So I'm going to have to do my part to rise up and, and look at the view. And you think about a lot of other views that you want to take in. Like if you wanted to see the Grand Canyon... What would you do? You'd pay the money, get the flight, make arrangements, get a tour, because you want to see the view. I mean, you, you have to do that. You know, for us to get this house, we've had to work out a lot of details so that all of us could walk in and look at this view. If I want to see a view from the top of the mountain, i got to climb up to the top of the mountain. Or I might sit at the bottom and go, that isn't worth it to me. Right? But it's a choice of whether or not I'm taking the view. Even just like if I was at a condo at the beach, you know, and I walk in and they've pulled the curtains, I'm going to have to walk over and I'm going to have to pull those open if I want to see the view. And we've talked about how most people really want a view in this life, right? If they could have it, they will take it. Nobody says, oh, no, 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 we'll just take that house back there. I mean, we don't need that. Nobody does that. But why do we do that in our spiritual lives? So I want to ask you to think that through personally, to lay those thoughts alongside your own life and ask yourself, have I risen up? Have I done what it takes to, to see what God has made known to me? And not just the view of the gospel, but the also's that come with it, right? Your position. Do you have a clear view of your position that God has given you? Or are you always feeling like, I, 
I'm just so needy and in lack? Or do you know right where to go to get what God is getting, that, that position? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you take his view in and let him show you a view every single day? You know, this morning we talked about the gospel. We listed a lot of different things in the gospel. There's so much. The gospel spans the length of time. We're praying that we would understand the breadth and the length of his love, right? He's showing us the length of his love. I know in my own life, with the gospel 20 years ago, I had barely looked at the gospel. I might have been that little girl standing up on the pew to see that, you know, to see people, or the reality was I was just a nosy little girl <laughs> that couldn't stand it, you know? A desperation will have to rise up in you to see God that makes you rise up and do what you have to do to see what God has broken open. I don't want to be just somebody content to just sit week after week and check my box that I went to church and showed up. No, there's a view. <laughs> Why would I do that? Why would I do that? But so many times we live like that preschooler on the pew, not even aware of the view we have. And God wants to get our attention today and help us to think about that. Help us to think about that. Have we taken in the view of his gospel and also our position as an inheritor and his spirit? I believe when we really rise up to see, we will be awestruck and we will say, I never dreamed that I could have a view like that, right? I never dreamed. So we wanna give you some moments today to respond to that. And to do that, we're gonna spend some moments in some small group times. Um, your small group leader, it's one of the five of us, should have let you know before we sat down together, um, but life gets crazy, so if, if that didn't happen, that's okay, we'll work that out. But we've already worked out where you're going and where, where you're at. So like I know my group, I came to each of you, we're staying right here, but there's different spaces we're gonna go to. We're gonna ask that you not stop on the way to get coffee, drinks, all that stuff. If you gotta go to the bathroom, please don't wet your pants. But you know, as far as getting coffee, we're gonna have a snack break and a coffee break after the small group time that's not gonna last very long. But you think of 30 people, if everybody stops to do that, that the small group time's gone, okay? But I wanna tell, don't move yet, please. I wanna tell you what your questions are, the two small group questions. And we wanna stay focused on these questions, okay? So you can be thinking about them even as you move to your space. And your leader has these as well. They're simple questions. What is something that is blocking your view of the gospel? Okay? And the second question is, what can you do to change that? We've talked about things that we have to do to open up views in our lives. What could you do to change that if something is blocking your view? Okay? So um, we're going to ask that you go directly to your small groups. Nicole? If you don't know where you're yeah, yeah, we can help you with that for sure. Good idea. Okay. Yay. Oh, oh, if you don't know where you're going. That's funny. That's funny.